Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Did Scott Pruitt just resurrect gas guzzlers? Today on Parts Per Billion, we break down what the latest EPA decision will mean when the rubber really hits the road. Hello and welcome to Parts Per Billion. I'm your host, David Schultz, and we are here for a very special edition of uh, Parts Per Billion with our climate reporter, Abby Smith, here at Bloomberg Environment. There was some breaking news just a few hours ago. Uh, Scott Pruitt and the EPA have made a big decision on fuel efficiency for cars and trucks. And Abby is here just to break it all down and explain what it means. Uh, It's pretty complicated. Hopefully it will not be so complicated after Abby explains it. Uh, But Abby just made a face, so I'm wondering if that's... If that's going to happen. Uh, Abby, thank you for joining us. Uh, good luck. Thanks for having me. So, okay, let's start at the beginning. What, you know, can, I can't just buy any kind of car that I want. Or the, I, I guess to put it another way, the auto manufacturers can't just make a car that gets like two miles per gallon because there are these regulations. Can you explain what the regulations are, what power the EPA has to, you know, regulate automobiles? Sure. EPA regulates cars, greenhouse gas emissions, but when you're looking at the fuel economy program, it's actually three agencies that do the regulating. It's EPA, which regulates cars, greenhouse gas emissions. It's the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, part of the Transportation Department, that regulates fuel efficiency. And then also California is in the mix because it has a special power under the Clean Air Act, basically set its own state-level standards that could be different. California is very special. California is very special. That's true. So right now, the Obama administration back in 2010 and 2012 made an agreement with automakers, EPA, NHTSA, and um, California to set one national program, one national standard. So the standards are the same for automakers across the country. And that's just to make it easier. So, you know, the car makers wouldn't have to make you know, special cars for California and different cars for other states, uh, that would be a a huge mess. So they all just decided, let's just set one fuel economy standard uh, for all cars. That's right. Yeah. So if you're an automaker, you can make one model of your car. You don't have to make a separate model for California and a separate model for the rest of the country. It makes it much easier for you to comply. It's less of a regulatory headache for you. So that was what was going on. We should actually take one quick step back. I mean, this may seem obvious, but what are the environmental benefits to to having these standards? I mean, is this, you know, how significant are the the greenhouse gas pollution that comes from cars? 
Well, actually, just this past year, transportation emissions actually surpassed the power sector as the most emitting sector of the economy. So when you're looking at transportation emissions, greenhouse gas emissions from cars and trucks are pretty significant. So if we reduce those, it's a pretty substantial benefit for the climate. So, okay, during the Obama administration, everyone agrees we have one standard, California, EPA, NHTSA, uh, everyone's on the same page. But then what happened? So what happened in uh, November 2016, uh, the Trump, President Trump is elected. And basically what happened is when the Obama administration set the standards back in 2012, part of the agreement was that they would do kind of a, a check-in halfway through. So they would do what's called a midterm review. And the Obama administration had started that process and was going through that. And the process was slated to end April 1st of 2018. And so long after he left office. Yes. But what happened was right before the Obama administration left office in January of 2017, EPA came out with a determination saying, we think the standards at their current levels, what we set them at, are achievable and feasible. And so we're going to keep the standards the same. And that was that. And the, I, get the, I imagine the automakers weren't too happy about that. They thought those standards were way too high. They, they wanted to be able to make cars that were slightly less fuel efficient, right? Sure, but the, I mean, they also were very angry about the process because they were promised a review that would end in April of 2018. And they say, well, the Obama administration short-circuited that process and really we needed that time to do the analysis and to really take a look at the standards and make sure that they're achievable. So it was also very much a process thing too. So it was more, it, it was a, a fairness issue for them from their perspective. Yes, definitely. So uh, right before, you know, I guess days before Obama leaves office, he says standards are good. They don't need to be changed. Then Trump comes into office. Uh, I, I get the sense that the Trump uh, administration has a different point of view on that. Yes, that's correct. So back last year in March, actually, uh, President Trump, along with EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt and uh, Transportation Secretary Elaine Chao, had an event in Detroit, and Trump announced that they would be reopening the midterm review, that they would be doing the process like was originally promised, and that they would come to their conclusion and make that in April of this year. But at that time, they didn't say whether they were going to change the standard or they were going to, you know, uh, lower it or even raise it. I guess that was theoretically possible. They just said, we're going to take another look at this. The The decision that, that the Obama administration made right before they left office that's not actually final, even though they said it was final back then. Right. But one would assume that they are not, they're obviously not going to make the same conclusion as the Obama administration. And automakers were asking them to take another look at the standards because they, uh, they were saying, these are too stringent. We're not able to meet these. We need to take another look at these. And so the Trump administration from the start was really listening to the automakers' arguments here. And it was widely expected that they would come to the conclusion that the standards weren't appropriate. So, okay, that was in March. Uh, and then now we have almost, uh, I guess actually almost exactly a year later, uh, and they've reopened this. And what did they decide, I guess, just less than 12 hours ago? Well, they, they came out with a conclusion saying, look, we don't think these standards are achievable, we don't think they're appropriate, and we need to revise them. So 
the determination really just simply was that. They said, standards aren't appropriate. We need to take another look at these. And now they're going to start a joint rulemaking process with NHTSA, the Transportation Department, to set those fuel economy standards. So we don't really know what level they're thinking about setting the standards at. We just know that they're going to be taking another look at them. And is, is it, I guess, as you mentioned, it's safe to say that they're going to be, you know, go, they're going to go down, that the automakers are going to have a lower target to reach. We don't know how much lower, but it's 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 not going to be higher. Yes, that seems to be the case when you read through the, the finding that the administrator put forth. You know, there's a lot of talk about how uh, the standards may not be achievable, that some of the projections and assumptions that the Obama administration had used about technology and fuel prices and consumers' acceptance of fuel-efficient technologies were really too optimistic, and, and therefore it would be more challenging for automakers to meet the standards. So the EPA and, and uh, the uh, NHTSA and I guess the federal government writ large is going to be taking another look at these, maybe revising them downward. There's one problem, though, and as we mentioned before, it's California because they have their own authority to regulate cars as they see fit. And as we know, California has some uh, very different points of view than the Trump administration. The governor there, Jerry Brown, a Democrat, is uh, one of the most prominent opponents to the Trump agenda. Are we going to see a situation where we have types of cars for 49 states and then a separate type of car for California where, you know, automakers are going to have to make different cars for different states? Is that That's the one thing they were trying to avoid. Is that what's going to happen? Well, it's unclear at this point. And the interesting thing, too, with California is that California has the authority to set its own standards, but a dozen other states, including New York, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, and others, have signed on to those standards, too. So, so, it, so it wouldn't be 49 and 1. It would be, you know, a couple dozen, and uh, so it would be even more messier. That's right. And together, those 13 states, California and the 12 that follow their standards, they equal, uh, you know, over a third of the U.S. auto market. So you're looking at, you know, an automaker would have to make a car to meet those state standards for a third of the market and then make another model for two-thirds of the market, which just is kind of a logistical headache for, for automakers. And that's something they really want to avoid. So the, yeah, this is this is exactly what they wanted to avoid when they you know got together back in 2010, 2012, and they tried to sort of get, get everyone on the same page. So I guess the the it seems like there are only two possible outcomes. Well, there's probably a lot of possible outcomes, but there's two main ones. Uh, California, um, you know, they decide to just make separate cars and, and deal with that. Or the EPA says, hey, California, you know this power you had to regulate your own cars. You don't have that anymore. Is that is that on the table? I would say it is on the table. So EPA, yesterday in their announcement, they said that California still has this authority, and they didn't really say anything about the waiver authority, which is what it's called. Um, But they did say they're still reexamining it. So it does seem like it's still on the table. And the administrator, Scott Pruitt, has made comments in the past, you know, signaling that he's not comfortable with the fact that California has this power. You know, he says federalism doesn't mean one state should dictate the standards for the rest of the country. So he he's really uneasy with California's authority here. But I think at this point, what the automakers want is they don't want a split. They don't want you know, California and the federal government to be fighting. They want everyone to come to the table and they want to keep the one national program that they agreed to back in 2010. So 
it's going to be an interesting road going forward. Um, it's a gonna road, be, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, I guess to, to, to have another uh, automotive pun, I guess, there. it seems like California and the EPA are on a collision course. I, yeah, I, w- I would say so, and, and I like your puns. Um, I would say they are. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see whether they're able to all come to the table and negotiate. That's clearly what automakers want. It's clearly what some of the other groups who are involved in this want. But, you know, others, uh, other people tell me it's unclear why California would come to the table and, you know, what, what they could get out of this, really. Yeah, like why? What leverage does the the EPA have at this point? Because the political, you know, winds in California are all pushing the leaders of the state to not come to the table, to not negotiate with the Trump administration. That's right. I mean, really, the the leverage that the Trump administration might have is if they were to try to go after California's authority. What a mess. So. We're talking about, you know, the the kind of really messy politics and regulatory scheme and litigation here. But let's wrap this up and kind of talk about what this means for people like you and me. Uh, You know, I'm going to the dealership. I'm going to buy a car. Does that mean I can't get like a Prius now? Or, you know, will they cost more or will there will just be that other cars are cheaper? Like what's this going to mean for the cars on the road in the future? Well, I think the interesting thing is when you look at what automakers are doing with technology, their plans may not change a whole lot. Uh, You know, Ford and General Motors, including other automakers, have made big announcements recently about how they're moving toward electric vehicles. Um, They're really pushing autonomous technologies. So I think that you... uh, you might not see a lot of change as a consumer when you're going in to buy a car. There might be changes on the margins, but you really make these technology investments years in advance. So automakers are moving toward these more fuel-efficient technologies, in part because consumers do want them. You know, And there is a question of whether how, how that impacts the price to the consumer, but at the end of the day, automakers are going to be moving toward more advanced vehicle technologies irrespective of what happens to the standards, I think. All right. Well, that was Abby Smith, uh, Bloomberg Environment's climate reporter. For more of her reporting on climate, visit uh, bnanews.bna.com. Today's episode was produced by Jessica Coombs and Rachel Daigle with help from Marissa Horn and Chuck McCutcheon. Music tracks for uh, Parts Per Billion is a message by Jazar. It was used under, under a Creative Commons license. For more information, uh, you can go to betterwithmusic.com. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. 
Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more.